WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell a story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming-Sai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are indeed tuned into Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 W. ATD, as uh, we are coming to you live from Broadcast House, we have uh, an abbreviated radio program. I believe that we have, uh, we'll actually next week, it looks as though we will have a, a full show, but then we'll resume back to the political forum schedule. Following weeks, we'll have uh, abbreviated shows and Second half of the radio program from 7 8 will feature political forums to better inform you, educate you about the candidates that are seeking office right here on the South Shore in Plymouth County. So we look forward to that. Our, our guest this evening, State Senator Diane DeZoglio, Diana DeZoglio, uh, who is a candidate, Democratic candidate for state auditor. She'll be calling in right after we check traffic. And then Carrie McRae, she's a candidate for state senate. Uh, I believe that she is running in the Plymouth and Plymouth and Barnstable district. So she's a Republican. We'll talk with her. Now I'm going to take a, a quick second to uh, quiz George, my producer. George, do you have any idea what's going to be taking place other than what's happening in this radio station as of 7 o'clock? But it's 7.14 p.m. this evening. Do you have any idea what is going to be happening outside of the orbit of this planet? Outside of the form we're doing? Yeah. I, I have no idea. You caught me. You ever heard of the DART mission? No, I haven't. Okay. So what... Scientists are attempting to, what NASA is attempting to do tonight is it's some 7 million miles away is this, this tiny little projectile that we have sent going about 14,000 miles an hour is supposed to crash into an asteroid. Actually, a smaller, a smaller satellite that is rotating around a bigger asteroid in an attempt to you know, not have to have send uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Bruce Willis up into space and uh, blow up an asteroid. But the idea is to see if there's a way for us to ping pong or pinball uh, an asteroid and, and deflect it instead of it, you know, having some kind of uh, a collision course with the Earth and, of yes. course, eliminating most of, you know, 
life on this planet. It's a planetary defense mechanism. Actually, I vaguely now have recently heard this on the news. It's supposed to happen tonight, right? 714 p.m. 7.14, yeah. So while you're... I'll be stuck here in the <laughs> station. <laughs> yeah, but you can keep an eye on it for the folks who, who may not be aware. And I think it's kind of exciting. I'm it's kind of cool. A- it's needed for the existence of humanity in the future, as we speak. Yeah, I mean, we only know about probably 3 to 4% of what's happening up in the heavens. Yes. You know, what happens one day we find out that there is a global killer on Yes, it. and we do not want to suffer the same fate as a dinosaur 65 million years ago. We got an advance. Yeah, we got an advance. We don't want to end up becoming the next uh, fossil fuel of a future. For the next interterrestrial species that comes and cultivates our Earth. Yes. Well said. That was good. Oh, Very yeah. Good. That's George. George, uh, my, my producer. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned as we will uh, get you up to speed with a couple of candidates who are calling in. Again, State Senator Diana DiZaglio will be calling in momentarily. Uh, but I think right now, do we want to find out what's happening out on the roadways, George? Yeah, let's see. Uh, right. I've heard there's some traffic from Boston, so we got to have to have an update for that. Okay. I love this time of year. Rustling leaves, a crisp wind blowing, apple picking for homemade apple pie. A sunny day in a corn maze. A bonfire on a cool night. (sighs) Cigars. And a half gallon of hot apple cider. Apple pie. We made it ourselves. This has nothing to do with Brennan's Smoke Shop, but everything to do with life. It's short, yet so sweet. Kind of like pumpkin spice coffee. It comes and goes like autumn wind. Brennan's Smoke Shop, Plymouth, Pembroke, Brockton, Wareham, Raynham, Taunton, Stoughton, New Bedford, Weymouth, Hudson, New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the very best smoke shop in Massachusetts. Customers must have a valid state or federal ID to enter the store. Message me on Facebook. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we return. And uh, just a quick reminder, if you did miss any of the segments, we do. The shows are uploaded to uh, Podbean. And they are shared with the radio station. You always go to uh, go to the website nine five nine watd dot com is uh, is the best way to hear some of whether it's most recent interviews to even some of the older ones. Again, I can't believe that this, we're going on. I think eleven years putting up those podcasts, over fifty thousand downloads. I know that's, that may may not be a lot, especially with today's you know, most. Most people who do podcasts, you know, they probably have uh, an average of uh, two, three, four hundred downloads per show, you know, almost instantaneously. But, you know, for a local radio, uh, ra- local radio show, one that's been uh, occupying the airwaves for the past uh, 11, 12 years, it's fantastic. So it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, and again, just a reminder coming up top of the hour, if you're somebody who lives in the mighty, mighty 12th Plymouth District, the state rep uh, district, 
I can't believe I think there's six communities that are within it. Plymouth, Plimpton, Middleborough, Kingston, uh, just the name of Duxbury. You might have a precinct in Duxbury. But uh, we got Kathy Lenatra, the current state representative, and Eric Moschino. He is the, the GOP uh, candidate who is going to be part of it. And I think this is one other name that may be a part of it, may not be a part of it. But I know those are the two, those are the two who are going to be a part of tonight's forum. Headed up by uh, moderator Christine James, myself, and Charles Matheson. And we'll ask the questions, the three of us will ask questions to find out uh, who's the candidate of choice and better inform you regarding uh, the upcoming election on November 8th. Well, right now, time for us to uh, go to the phone lines. Joining us uh, via the phone is a State Senator Diana DeZaglio. She is a candidate for State Auditor. Uh, Senator, welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Thank you very much for having me back again. It's always a pleasure to be on WAGD. Thanks so much. How are, how are things going out on the campaign trail? Here we are. We are we're cruising in October. And uh, so how are things looking for you? Man, let me tell you something. I have been campaigning for almost a year and a half. <laughs> so uh, things are going one foot in front of the other. Uh, and used to tell me at the beginning of this race and even in the middle of and I, it's a marathon not a sprint and now it's a sprint <laughs> just gonna let everybody know um yes we are in the final weeks of the campaign here i'm so humbled to have earned the support of voters across massachusetts to become the democratic nominee but we do have a general election coming up in november to earn folks support and working hard uh we're still traveling the state we are uh you know making our way around to different fall festivals and you know all sorts of fun stuff that's that's happening and um and uh, i'm actually going to be coming uh down to uh i believe new, new bedford new bedford area soon for the uh the, 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 the clam fest the chowder fest that's going on <laughs> some point very soon Councilor Abru is going to be walking uh, but we're we're around and, you know, just trying to meet as many people, tell why the auditor is such an important office and all the great things that the auditor can do and the importance of the role. And the message out there about my name as well, introducing myself to voters uh, and just letting folks know how to actually pronounce the name. It's been interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Diana Zizboglio is not the, you know off your tongue so we've we've got a little bit of a challenge there but um, we did make it through the primary and uh folks seem to have recognized the name then we hope they recognize that name again when they go to the ballot uh boxes on uh on november 8th let's let's talk a little bit i mean the current auditor uh suzanne bump actually was the one who kind of determined that the state should return the surplus that we have in the stabilization fund. I know it's, it's bubbling up to almost like $7 billion. And it was her office that made the determination that some of those monies, because of a law back in, in the 1980s, that some of those funds should go back to, you know, the taxpayers. Give me your thoughts on a determination like that and that coming from an office that you could you could potentially be holding as of November 9th. Yeah, well, first of all, legislative leaders should have never have let should never have let uh, the economic development bill where uh, tax rebates and important monies coming back to our communities uh, in the form of economic relief were actually punted until the last minute and then had to be punted because they were punted at the last minute uh, even further. And we still have not actually voted on 
those issues pertaining to tax rebates coming back to the communities as they should uh, and uh, funding for important projects regarding economic development in our communities that our cities and towns really are relying on and that they really need. Uh, so unfortunately, because those decisions were held off until the last minute, uh, that relief was not realized in the way that it should have been. And I have been calling on legislative leaders, uh, and I've done so multiple times now, calling on legislative leaders to bring us back into session because I am currently a, an incumbent state senator. I've been calling on my legislative leadership team to bring us back into session. It needs to initiate in the House of Representatives uh, the way that the laws are set up. But to call us back into session so that we can get back to work, uh, we should be in the legislature voting on these important issues, working on these important issues until the job gets done, uh, a job that was left undone due to the last-minute nature of the decision-making process up on Beacon Hill. Uh, which occurs all too often, much more often than it should. But, yes, the state auditor uh, did do some tremendous work very recently that she should be very proud of, where she did identify that approximately, I believe it was um, in, you know, the range of about $2.941 billion. So we'll just round up and say right around $3 billion mm-hmm. uh, that she certified in excess revenue. That means that uh, it triggered a, 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 um, a 1980 something law where uh, those dollars actually have to come back to our local communities in the form of a tax return of some sort, making sure those tax dollars are coming back to folks in our communities, working families in our communities. Now, this is due to a law that's on the books, Chapter 62F, uh, that says that if a certain amount of revenue is um, raised in excess, it must be returned back to the taxpayer. And I support this law. I do want to make sure that it's returned back to taxpayers in an equitable fashion. So I think that we in the legislature need to have a conversation around that. Uh, But I will say that I do think that that needs to get back to taxpayers as soon as possible. So we have a lot of work to do. And Auditor Bump did do uh, her job and certify that amount. What I want to do as state auditor is I want to actually take the great work of Auditor Bump to the next level, build upon the the great work that she's done, and actually fight to make sure that moving forward that we're doing a quarterly analysis of these uh, potential excess revenues coming into the state. What is actually going on uh, right now is that the comptroller uh, actually has a, a, a quarterly meeting with folks who oversee state finances across the board in Massachusetts. The treasurer's office is invited uh, DOER commissioner is invited, and uh, the comptroller has an advisory board that's made up of different folks who oversee state finances and uh, are, are are at that table uh, for these quarterly meetings. And the auditor has a seat at that table. Now, the comptroller receives the uh, quarterly reports from the DOER commissioner about how much we have in tax revenues coming in and uh, has access to that information, but yet those things are not discussed at these quarterly meetings for some reason um, on a regular basis. Now, in my opinion, if those quarterly meetings had uh, had this tax revenue issue on the agenda, you know, just looking over and doing a, an analysis of how much we have in revenue coming in, that this 62F issue may not have caught folks by surprise, 
the way that it did. And, you know, if there are any accountants out there listening, we know that, you know, quarterly quarterly analysis is standard accounting practice. So this is something that I think really needs to start getting done, and I think that we would not be in the mess that we are currently in regarding this, you know, economic development bill, economic relief bill still being tied up and not yet passed, uh, and a situation where this caught folks by such surprise because this was only looked at uh, in the last minute because that's what's required by law. So certainly the law was followed there, and, and you know, we have this analysis done now. But if it was done on a quarterly basis, you know, folks may have not been caught by surprise, and we may have been able to catch it in time to prevent this from happening in the first place. And again, folks that are just tuning in, we are speaking with uh, State Senator Diana DiZaglio, and she is a candidate, a Democratic candidate for State Auditor. I'm actually peeking on your website. Folks want to kind of follow along at home. Uh, Diana, D-I-A-N-A-F-O-R-4-M-A.com, Diana4MA.com. Um, if you will, and I mean, we only have a limited amount of time, but if you could, give us the Note version of your your audit plan. You actually have a link for a, a plan, action plan, uh, once you take office. Look, uh, I come from a family where I was born to a 17-year-old single mother. I grew up housing insecure. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. Uh, I waitressed and I cleaned houses to pay my way through college to become the first in my family to graduate. I get what it's like to struggle and to have to be scrappy to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, I'm running for auditor to make sure that working families like ours have access to and accountability from our state leaders and our state agencies, regardless of our family background, our bank balance, or where we live in the Commonwealth. And right now, uh, we don't have the level of accountability that we as working families really need to make sure that we're part of the decision-making process up on Beacon Hill. Up on Beacon Hill right now, what's occurred is, you know, power is incredibly centralized into the hands of a few. Things like taxpayer-funded non-disclosure agreements continue to be able to be used by powerful politicians to silence government workers about potential harassment, discrimination, and abuse in the workplace. And your tax dollars are able to be abused to silence workers about these abuses by these politicians. Uh, we have committee votes that are not made public by your elected officials, so you don't necessarily know how your uh, local legislator voted on a particular issue. There's a lot of work that we need to get done up on Beacon Hill to make it more transparent, more accountable, more accessible. And for as forward-thinking as residents in the Commonwealth really are, our state government, unfortunately, continues to be ranked by almost every single good government group as the least transparent and the least accessible state government in the entire nation. We can do better, but in order to do better, it's going to take shining a light in the dark places of our state government. And uh, something that I learned in the legislature, but more so uh, something that I learned when I was a self-employed house cleaner uh, back in the day, is that sunlight is actually the best disinfectant. And we have a lot of work to do in shining a light in those dark areas of state government to make sure that we're filling the gaps that need to be filled and holding state agencies and state leaders to account on behalf of all working families and not just a powerful few. So I have an audit plan that's up on my website that Kevin's looking at right now, hopefully still. Yep. Uh, and in that audit plan, I have a, um, a detailed plan, point by point, that goes through some of the things that I hope to do during my first 
uh, days in office start doing during my first days in office, looking at everything from, you know, making sure that we're diversifying our, our state contracting and procurement procedures. Uh, here in the state of Massachusetts, we spend billions and billions of dollars on state contracts annually, but only 0.005% of those contracts actually go out to minority businesses. That's unacceptable. We can do better. So I want to make sure we're shining a light on that particular issue. I mentioned being housing insecure when I was growing up. Now, my, uh, you know, challenge in, in, in having uh, stable housing when I was a child was due to my family circumstances and the challenges that we uh, were facing due to my being born to a young teen mom and uh, being born into a low-income family. But right now, folks are facing, facing housing insecurity that are college-educated, that have uh, multiple jobs, multiple incomes coming into their household, and they're still struggling to make ends meet. That is unacceptable. We are in a housing crisis right now. We need to do better. We need to shine a light on what's going on. And I do have housing as part of my audit plan looking at DHCD's funding, uh, Department of Housing and Community Development, looking at where some of these ARPA funds are going, looking at these community development block grants and seeing if we can do better. Uh, it might be one thing to say that it costs, for example, $500,000 to fund a housing project locally in one of our communities. And, you know, folks can go in, check all the boxes, and pat, pat ourselves on the back and say, look, we created a housing opportunity here in this community. It's a completely different thing when you find out that you could have done that same project for half the cost, right? That changes the conversation. That changes the dynamic because that means that that extra money could have gone towards helping to house another family. So the auditor's office can shine a light on these issues and many other issues. And my social justice and equity audit plan looks at issues ranging from housing to our state contracting and procurement processes to mental health and substance use disorder. I know a lot of folks out there, uh, you know, have family members or, or maybe yourself, you're struggling with the disease of addiction. I have a family that, you know, we have in our family faced uh, challenges with addiction-related issues. And what we have found is there aren't enough services out there. There aren't enough opportunities for treatment. And folks who are seeking treatment need to be able to access that treatment here in the state of Massachusetts. But we continue to fall short on that front. I want to make sure that we're looking at our addiction services and our mental health services in the state of Massachusetts. I want to do an audit of the Department of Children and Families and make sure that we're putting our best foot forward. We know there have been tragedies through the years. I'd like to do a qualitative audit and look at some of uh, the issues and the challenges that that agency has faced and make sure that, again, we're shining a light in the dark areas to help to make government work better. And I plan on doing those things in coordination with local advocates and local families uh, who are willing to partner with our office and to let us know what's going on, what they're seeing on the ground level and what needs to be audited, what needs to be investigated. Because the folks who know best are the folks that are living it every single day and working in the trenches every day and have, you know, firsthand knowledge about how our state agencies are working really efficiently and where they're not working so efficiently. Uh, we're going to do a safety audit of the MBTA. Uh, we're going to conduct an audit of the RMV. Uh, there are multiple things that are on that audit plan. So check it out. Let me know your thoughts on it. It's not a comprehensive audit plan. We did put um, some of the things we plan to start with. But this is something that uh, is a, it's a four-year term in the auditor's office. So we'll have some time 
to dig into some issues. But these are just some of the things that we hope to start with. Uh, but I can't do that without your support. So I do respectfully ask for your vote. Diana DiZoglio. Remember the Italian woman from the fill-in <laughs> on your ballot. Diana DiZoglio. Lots of vowels. Yep. Uh, and uh, and dianaformma.com is the, um, is the website. So you can check that out for yourself. Well, Senator, if you are, in fact, successful on no- November 8th, I would love to have you on on, a, on a, a regular basis as often as your office puts out reports. We've had Auditor Bump on many times over the years and have enjoyed a great relationship, and we hope that we can uh, we can continue that with uh, whoever, whoever is elected uh, to fill the position for the next four years. Great. Thanks so much. Like I said, I've been standing up. I've been speaking truth to power up on Beacon Hill for the last 10 years. I'd love to continue to stand up for working families like ours up on Beacon Hill, but I can't do that without your support. I'd love to be your next chief accountability officer, your next watchdog, uh, and formally called your next state auditor. So I do respectfully ask for your vote. Diana DiZaglio, thanks again so much, Kevin, for having me on. And I will absolutely be happy to come back soon. Just send the invite and I'll be there. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Senator. There she is, the State Senator Diana DiZaglio uh, was our guest. Is uh, She's uh, talking with us about uh, I'll tell you, if you have a chance, go on the website uh, and check out the 17-point plan, uh, the audit plan. It's it's very robust and it touches on a lot of different areas. But what we're going to do right now is we are going to step aside just for a moment. We're not going to go far. And when we come back, uh, we'll speak with uh, Carrie McRae. Uh, she is a candidate for state senator. In just a moment, you are tuned into a Monday Night Talk right here on 95.9 WATD. <laughs> is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. McGuigan's Pub is an upscale Irish pub with all the class of a Boston pub. The menu offers favorites like steak tips, fish and chips, meatloaf, as well as burgers, sandwiches, and pizza. The relaxed, comfortable atmosphere at McGuigan's makes it the perfect place to eat, drink, and socialize with family and friends. New hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 4 to close, Friday through Sunday, 11.30 to close. McGuigan's Pub is at 546 Washington Street in Whitman with the full menu available at McGuigan'sPub.com. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association at this station. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio featuring Chris Latond Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. Just a subtle reminder coming up top of the hour political forum here at 95.9 WATD. The combatants, 
they are seeking uh, your vote on November 8th for the 12th Plymouth District State Rep seat. You have incumbent, uh, the incumbent will be here, as well as the challenger. So stay tuned for that. Christine James will be your moderator. Joining us right now is, I believe it's, I want to make sure I'm saying your name right. Car- is it is it Carrie or Carrie? Carrie. Carrie. I thought it was Carrie. Okay. I've said yeah. it all along, but my producer goes, I think it's Carrie. I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> like three seconds to go here. Oh, uh, no, Carrie, Carrie McCray, you're right. Um, oftentimes I hear Carrie, and that is wrong. But Carrie or Kari, I'm okay with that. So for, fo- for folks who don't know who you are, and I'm sure there's there might be a handful out there, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself and why... You are running for uh, the state Senate seat in the Plymouth and Barnstable District. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for even, you know, reaching out to me and asking me to be on the show. Um, I really appreciate that. And, yes, yeah, so my name is Carrie McRae. Um, I am running for um, state Senate in uh, Plymouth and Barnstable District. I do live in Bourne with my family. Um, I have four four children, one of which is kind of an adopted foster child who was a student of mine uh, many, many years ago. And um, we have five grandchildren, four boys and one little girl. And um, that's really, you know, the focus of our of our life is our children and, and now our grandchildren, which is great fun. Um, I'm a teacher. I am recently on, um, I've been on the school committee in Bourne. I was elected, goodness gracious, about a little over a year ago now. And um, that's been, you know, a great opportunity for me to kind of look at education on a, on a different, with a different set of eyes. Um, as a business teacher, I've, I've been teaching business and math for approximately 10 years um, between quite a few different high schools and um, also in the Wareham PASS program, which is, basically a, in a program for students who leave um, school for a number of different reasons, whether it be, you know, family situations, um, addiction problems, um, bullying, so many, you know, pregnancy and things like that. And they're, they're young adults who decide to come back to school. And that's, that's been a great, a great opportunity to be there for um, nine years now. Let's talk a little bit about the the importance of transparency when it comes to government. And can one person alone be able to, uh, you know, start a wave of that? Is do you feel that there's a there really is a lack of transparency when it comes to local government, state government? I I think there definitely is. Um, you know, I decided to you know to run and and get involved. It came from basically a. Um, I noticed even in my local government, in the schools, in so many different things that um, I didn't even know existed. I didn't know what was going on in our in our schools. You know, I, in the classroom, I sat there and taught um, from you know business classes, right? And so my curriculum was you know pretty pretty um, you know precise as to what I was teaching. So. When I, um, you know, and, and even in my local government as as just a, a town uh, citizen, I remember sitting through a couple of um, town meetings and seeing how they had, you know, four or five uh, different topics or, or different um, expenditures, if you will, put into one, you know, memorandum where it was like, okay, you're going to vote 
And if you vote yes, all of this happens. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. A lot of people are saying, well, we only want two things. We don't want all of that. Um, and I noticed that as I started to dig in more, that we just don't know exactly what's going on. And I think it's pretty deliberate that there really isn't transparency. And we hear about it all the time. Oh, we need more transparency. And just recently there was a bill um, and, you know, mind me for not knowing exactly what bill it is. I'm still learning all of this. Um, but there was a bill that was put forth to, I believe, give 72 hours that um, legislators would need to have at least 72 hours to review a bill before they vote on it. And that was voted down in the House. And I don't even think it made it to the Senate because I think it was voted down in the House. Um, that, to me, is scary. So it's not so much that... There isn't enough transparency, but there, you know, there is quite a bit of, of um, I don't want to say covering up, but keeping information from the people. And it, and it makes you wonder, you know, why they're doing that. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think of some of the bills that are, that are crafted that could be hundreds, thousands of pages. Maybe thousands might be a little bit, a little bit much, but it could be, you know more than 25, 30 pages, depending on <laughs> the depth and the scope and the focus, that you would probably want a little bit more than 72 hours. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, it's interesting. Um, uh, Representative Stephen Xaros has been really helpful to me, and he is constantly sending me sending me information and, and, and saying, hey, take a look at this, Carrie. They voted down this. This is why it's so difficult for us to get things passed, you know, um, and one of, he was the one that brought light to that about not even, you know, allowing 72 hours. He told me that there were some times that he'll get an email at, say, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and he'll hear, you know, the message go off because now he's smart and he, he makes it so that it interrupts him, his sleep, um, <laughs> if you will, if, if something's coming across, especially when they're going to be going in the next day for, you know, talking about different things that have, you know, agendas and bills to go over. And he said that he's literally received, you know, emails at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning for a bill that's 300 pages long that he's got to go through and vote on at 10 o'clock that same morning. So eight hours. And he said they do this all the time. And he had no idea even before um, he, you know, was, was elected. You know, he, he questioned a lot of things, but he said, Carrie, it's crazy. They they don't want us to know what they're doing, you know, and, and burning the midnight oil, I think some people have said, you know, is a phrase. And it really it really makes you want to even dig in more. And I, I saw this even in the, um, the, the, the curriculum that we have at the schools um, with the parental rights issues that a lot of people have been talking about since. You know, COVID, um, seeing the classrooms when, you know, the students were sitting at, at the kitchen table at home, right? Um, it, that really made people start asking more questions, including myself. Again, if you just tuned in, we have uh, Carrie McRae. She is a candidate for state senator in the Plymouth and Barnstable district. Also a reminder, don't forget, coming up in a few moments, uh, the state rep, the 12th Plymouth district state rep uh, forum. Uh, featuring uh, Kathy Linatra and Eric Moschino, headed up by Christine James. That's just coming up in about 10 minutes. But So I'm going to go right to your, your website, and that's uh, carrymcrae.com, K-A-R-I-M-A-C-R-A-E, for the folks who are following along at home. And, and you have four 
four points of emphasis. You have education, public safety, economy, and rights. Now, if I was to give you a, uh, if I was to give you an option of which one of these you'd want to speak to, what would be the first thing that you would gravitate to to better inform my listeners? I would say it would be around um, education. And, you know, a lot of people have given me some, I shouldn't say a lot, but quite a few people have given me pushback about why, you know, there's such a focus on education. And, oh, Carrie McRae, she just talks about education. Well, for one, it's, it's what I know, not only just as an educator, but also as a parent who has, you know, have had many children and now grandchildren going through, you know, the education system. And I appreciate the public education system. Um, I appreciate um, everybody that, you know, does their part to try to provide the best education to all the kids, you know, all children. Um, one thing that is mind-boggling, though, is even to look at uh, a town like, say, Sandwich, where 70% of the tax dollars that are spent are on the public education and supporting the schools, 70% of the tax dollars. And when I, you know, I'm door knocking across um, the town in Sandwich, people have no idea. Again, the transparency. I feel that when, you know, the, the bill, you know, comes over for this is how much your taxes are, there should be a breakdown. This is the percentage that goes towards public safety. This is the percentage that supports um, the roads, you know, and the infrastructure. Right. This is the, you know, and I think that if people were told that information, they would probably want to get more involved. They would say, well, wait a minute, why is it 70% of our tax dollars are supporting the schools? You know, and, and, and I think that that's why the education piece of it is huge because, you know, it's our future. It's, our, it's, it's the minds of our future. It's our, our future leaders. Um, and it's important that we, you know, provide the resources that they need 100%. But I also think that there is some overspending in some of these districts when, you know, you have a student. um, We were just doing research the other day and say the average student in our district costs about $18,000 a year to teach those children, right? So tax dollars, about $18,000 on average to send a student for one year of school, whereas you can go to some of these elite private schools and it's about twenty to twenty-five thousand a year for a private high school. So it makes you think about: All right, could we be doing better for one with with our resources? You know, is there? You know, why why is it seventy percent of our tax dollars? Maybe it's because there's you know a hundred and two um, or there's a, the, a high number of different department heads, right? And that's kind of absorbing it rather than you know giving the resources to the teachers in the classrooms having too many, you know, um, department heads or that type of thing. And I, I think that if we are more open and we give this information, provide this information, or at least make it easy for people to find, um, we'll probably do a better job in how we spend our money across the board. And again, if you're, you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Carrie McRae. She is a candidate for state senate and she's she's joining us uh, i also see here that you, you you plan on as far as when it comes to the economy that uh you'll be an advocate for fiscal accountability and defend the rights of, of small business owners what, what are your concerns in regards to our economy at this time and any possibility that there could be an economic slowdown when it comes to uh, our finances and tax, tax revenue that's gener- gener- generated 
it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> small businesses, you know, they're they're so important to you know everyday. Um, you know, I mean, most of most of the jobs that we have, you know, are provided by small businesses. And over the last two and a half years, there have been there's been so many businesses that have closed down. The one because they were actually closed down and it was hard for them to bounce back. Um, you know, there were so many uh, businesses that were, you know, given these PPP loans and then some of it they had to pay back and then they weren't making the sales to pay, you know, said loans back and then that put them, you know, under. There are so many things that I think we should be doing more for our small businesses. Some of the legislation that, you know, I've been combing through and reading, like saying that, you know, um, we'd like to have or, or the legislation would like to have uh, electric, you know, everything by 2030 when it's been 2035 and then by 2040. And I think that there's a lot of goals that we can have to support um, small businesses. And there's a lot of things that we could be doing to have better green energy or use of green energy. But I think it needs to be a, more of an organic um, process than um, time restraints when we're just not ready for it. Even today we saw in Falmouth that we have a windmill that came down today, you know, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to put up and hundreds of thousands of dollars to come down, and there's another one in October that's coming down. Um, so I think that we need to, you know, go at a, a you know, a, a, a smarter pace to make sure that we're not hurting the businesses when we're trying to do the, the green energy pieces and, and, and you know, mandates and things like that. We just got a couple of moments left with you, Carrie, and I really appreciate having you having you on as a guest. Um, but I want to touch on one more. You made a post over the weekend, and this is the statement you made. I will be voting no, capital N, capital O, on all four questions on November 8th. Um, give your thought process on on that. Well, the more the more I reached and and researched, I just feel like a lot of this has to do with more spending. And right now, in <clears throat> right now, Massachusetts, you know, we don't necessarily have a an income or or, or a, a problem of getting um, income in, in in way of tax revenue. We have a spending problem, mm. and I feel like any new um, tax implications are just going to hurt the everyday citizens. And, you know, some people made the arguments about the million-dollar tax and, and so on and so forth, but, you know, we need to keep these big businesses here. We need to do more to keep those businesses here that are going to provide more jobs. And so based on my research and what I saw, that's that's the way I'll be voting. Okay. Uh, to close things out, and again, we want to thank you for being our guest Folks want to find out more about you and your campaign that you want to get involved. How can they do that? Um, you can go right to com, K-A-R-I-M-A-C-R-A-E.com. And we would love to have more people involved. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, great conversations that we've been having. I've had a, quite a few people reach out to me and say, you know, um, are you prepared to, to jump into this? Um, and I really feel like I am because if you look at the founding fathers and you look at what, um, you know, how our system was set up, it was for us to do our part. You know, Sue Moran, you know, ran, 
she's in there. She's doing her part. You know, and I think, you know, I support term limits. I feel like we all need to contribute. And I think if more people have an opportunity to contribute and they have a better understanding of what's going on and there's other things that we can continue to, um, to become involved in. Carrie, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. You got it. And we want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Don't, but don't go anywhere. We still have more uh, for you here on 95.9 WATD Political Forum, 12th Plymouth District State Rep Race, Kathy Lenatra and uh, Eric Moschino, Christine James, your moderator, all coming up in just moments. Uh, until next week, as far as Monday Night Talk, we'll see you at 6.15 p.m. Have a great evening.